same China, different stories. We are the ones that found their way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. While you're eating your chicken sandwich, I'm gonna start. So I'm talking to Victoria from Wisconsin. I feel like that's a good intro, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, no, what I'm really from is from China. Yeah. I'm not from Wisconsin. <laughs> you currently live in Wisconsin. Okay, yes. So originally from China, but now in Wisconsin. I mean, I feel like Wisconsin's one of those U.S. states that people are like, why Wisconsin? Okay, but here's the thing. We've been in the news, both good and bad, like the Kyle Rittenhouse trial that's going on right now. True. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. The what? The Bucks basketball. Uh, they uh, won the NBA championship. I, I know you're very into sports ball. Sports ball, what? <laughs> and then uh, trying to think. Yeah, there's been like some other things and yeah clearly super notable very very notable we we are a flyover state i mean i come i live and i come from an area in the u.s that's very well known and i don't know we have stuff we could brag about it's like dc we've got the capital which is usually a nice place we've got the monuments mall new york city we've got broadway and other sports ball things that are more well known yes you have the yankees the mets which i learned the two baseball teams you have the giants and the jets is that football yes they both share the same stadium oh yep didn't know that (laughs) and then okay getting sidetracked already okay tell me about china you're adopted from china how old Let's do it. Okay, so I was three when I was adopted, and I, uh, you know, I my parents lived in Milwaukee. Lived in Milwaukee at the time um, until a few years ago. They moved to like a different, um, an adjacent city. Um, it's like a 15, 20 minute drive from me now. But uh, I grew up in like the heart of Milwaukee in the inner city, and um, we grew up in the same house. It was a predominantly black neighborhood growing up. I went to a neighborhood public school and I grew up going to like a black school. It was really interesting because for me, I would come home and I'd have this white family but at school, even though nobody looked like me in my life, like most like my day-to-day interaction it was nice ha- being around those classmates to some extent and being like okay well we're not like two so there's also a lot of level of okay you know what I mean so go on. yeah okay I didn't know that wait so you went to a school and the area you were in it wasn't even like there were white people at your school or was it like, there was like some two of them? There. There, were, there were a few, but, you know, it was, it was very black dominated when I went there. And I think it still is to this day. It was when my mother left because she was a secretary there. How sad. So basically like all of your education was in that type of environment, 
like it wasn't when it I was shift. in eighth grade I got transferred to like a Christian school system and I went to hear this Christian it was great education I mean maybe not like the Christian teachings uh. but like in terms, but in terms of like you know like it was very very competitive it was like academically it was very rigorous and academically wise it was one of the best experiences I could have had it really pushed me into like the way I think now mm-hmm. um but uh that was very predominantly white a lot of affluence a lot of oh my my daddy like or then like I'd get teased because like my dad would drive me to school and my mm-hmm. dad does construction right and so my dad's truck is going to be dirty because what's the point in cleaning your truck if you're going to drive it to the job site and yeah it, it looks worse than before you cleaned it. Like, mm-hmm. So you would just, I mean, you have to clean every once in a while, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, they were like, I would just like, get made fun of for like stupid things or just, it was just weird. Or like, I would get made fun of for my accent because mm-hmm. I couldn't say girl or world. So like World War Three is really hard. War yeah, World War Three is really hard for me to say. And they would have me say that over and over so I could laugh at the way I would say it. Kids have a lot of time on their hand at that age. But now it's like, we, we're more focused on more important things, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, but like, you know, it was really ironic because I never, like, there were a couple times going up in, like, in the black school I went to where, you know, you'd get the comment about, do you eat dog? And mainly... Like, yeah, but it was, like, a harmless, like, that's what they grew up with, like, the stereotypes, so they don't know no better, you know? And yeah. They, they were curious, and you could tell, like, maybe there was my own time, but, like, there's mainly more so, like, a curiosity, where it was, like, they went, and maybe I got made fun of, but, you know, you're kids, like, yeah. like, in high school, at a Christian high school, making fun of someone for an accent that they have no control over. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I guess I could like work on getting my English better, but I don't. I don't feel the need to make myself sound any whiter than I need to be. Like, like the only time I sound white is when I'm on the phone. Like, I'm like, wait, wait, wait for it. You're fine. Hi, we we on Spocking. How can I help you? Oh yes, that'll be no problem. And then they'll meet me and they'll be like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm Victoria. It's like really. I'm like, oh no, that's just my white voice, my phone voice. <laughs> my white phone voice. I mean, well, you were adopted at three too. So clearly, I mean, I'm assuming that you were speaking at that age. So it's interesting because I, I wasn't spoken to for the first year or two I was in the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And then I was in another orphanage and they were starting to speak to me as learning Chinese. Well, then I come here. And so I think something happened with like, you know, the language delay of not being spoken to for the first two years, there might mm. be a miss. And also because of the, um, you know, at that age, when you are learning, when language acquisition is happening. Yeah. So. I mean, those are like the core areas too. And it could be also like when you got here and how much focus was on, was it pronunciation or? I always mix this up, but yeah, I mean, I took speech in elementary. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, clearly, it did me so much good. <laughs> I still like what was it the other day? I was saying like, what was it? 
I was saying like water, but mm-hmm. I said like lotter. I don't like, I'll like, you know, how like you go on like the phone and you use the phone and like you do the speak to the phone. Mm-hmm. Carmela. Carmela. Oh, kitty. But yeah, you so you like, you know how like you have your like Google voice or your Siri, it never understands me. Oh, I thought they were supposed to be smart enough to now understand people's accents and difference in speech. No, no. Not quite no. there yet. No, no. Because I was saying like, I was saying like some, some band and it it wasn't like in a super obscure artist, you know, Mm. it wasn't like some real indie artist that only has like a hundred followers, but like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like a big, big artist. Yeah. It was like a pop star, like top 40. And it was like, what? It was like, I was sorry. I didn't get that. I was like, play Tata Call. They're like, they're like. Toting Hall? Toting Hall? I'm like, like, oh my god, I cannot. Yeah, I think they make this just to torture people sometimes. My old roommate, who's Indian, also, same problem, would say something to the Alexa, and then it would just, I probably just activated somebody's Amazon thing. But yeah, it just doesn't understand. I definitely got a kick out of some of the stuff the the machine would play instead, because... I mean, were you adopted into a family that already had children or was it, are you, is it just yeah. you? So my parents have three kids, two boys and then a girl. Um, they're all grown now. Um, and uh, they're all my parents' biological children and my parents are still together to this day. Wow. So over 40 years of marriage. Wow. And you said you only live about like 10, 15 minutes from where you grew up? Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up in uh, like the inner city. No, it's like residential block. Some years we'd have really big spikes in crimes, and then some years we wouldn't. So I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah, it's like an ebb and flow depending on what what's happening. I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah, I mean it depended. So. Wow, and they're currently there now. No, my parents ended up moving to like a, a different neighborhood that's like a lot nicer. So it's a different city, but I mean, it, it's close enough. So for those who don't know, we're in uh, Wisconsin. I just mm-hmm. said Milwaukee, but for those who are in Wisconsin, it's Greenfield. So. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some people will know. I mean, I, I definitely have talked to a lot of people who are in New York City because that's when I've been going out in human form, not our digital little boxes form. Uh, that's like people I meet. It's like, oh. New York City, talk about your adoption on a podcast. Yay. That's how I meet people. <laughs> it was really interesting um, trying to think when I went up to the Twin Cities and I met with like the sad uh, Minnesota crew. Mm. And it's weird. I was like, it's weird to see you guys in person. I was like, Bucky, you just need to have your fridge and like a little like cardboard cut up all you guys. Yeah. And so like on the Zoom. And then someone can just like have a black box and we'll do a stance. Like, are you there? Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Make some noise or type in the keyboard if you can hear us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because actually going to meet people after talking to them for so long. It's like you have that familiarity when you meet in person, but then there's also getting over like their physical appearance and energy. Like, okay, this is different, obviously. 
Yeah, it's pretty weird for me, like when we were doing heights all the time, just because I felt a lot of people were taller that were. Oh, yeah. That was a big conversation. I remember that. I think it happened like at least once or twice every Zoom session that like that would have happened in a breakout room. Because yeah. people, it was just, I felt it was more like if you had a lot of confidence, you seemed like you were taller. Mm hmm. And some people you see on there have, they've definitely come to New York City too. And I was like, do I, should I know you? It was one of those, like, should I know you because I went on those Zooms for a little bit or do I not know you? Did you uh, meet uh, Senko? Yes. I've now seen Senko a few times in person. Man, I, I, my goal is to move out to Philly so I can just like Mm. meet you guys in person because it, it's it, it it's hot out here and these winters they're they're not it i'll tell you that oh yeah that's right before we started talking you said it was trying to snow last week or something yeah so yesterday at work it was trying to snow rain it's like rainy snow like that point when it's like it's done the snow but it's not it's still a little too warm for it actually to be legit snow mm-hmm. and so i was like standing there just like putting in like these braces like trying to like and the these screws like they're, they're not very big you're and, holding up a pen and it's they're, they're they're pretty small and you, it's literally like you take your glove off and your hand squeezing you try and put it in then you drop a knot and you're like oh and then you like do it again and and then like your hands are freezing you can barely feel your hands and then you do it with the glove and you drop all these nuts and bolts it's just I mean, I like what I do, but you know, the small nuts and bolts mm-hmm. washers because they're so small. They're too small. Yeah, you're talking about bike parts, right? Uh, no. So I am an apprentice for the iron workers. Oh, I love the you... Okay, so you wanted, wanted to make, the I wanted to make some real adult money. <laughs> oh, I was like, are you talking about bike parts? Because I know the screws can be pretty small, but you're now in the what industry again? Uh, ironworkers, uh, yes, but when you're working on bike parts, you're usually on a flat surface. Well, like today, I was like 60 something feet, 60 something feet in the air. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I was on a, like an aerial lift platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, it's that's a change. I mean, it's completely different. Man, how did you go from the bike industry to iron working? I have stagehand experience, uh, concerts, and so I, you know, I realize I do like heights but I don't want to pay a fee for some climbing gym to go climb mm-hmm. and I can go go to work and get paid to do it that's a fair assessment I agree what else it's just I don't know there was a lot it's just you know and then the money it wasn't just the money it was like the pension and the health benefit and then the annuity and stuff it's just you know mm-hmm. like the package and stuff and for me it wasn't just about the money but I mean, the money showed sure don't hurt. And yeah. then having years and like from Zooms and like other conversations, like I have worked so many jobs, so many hours and not had a life to barely afford to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm getting tired of that. And if I can do something, I only have to work one job. And yeah, maybe I'll work like a show here or there on the side. But yeah. Oh, host is coming to town i'm gonna ask to work her show because i want to see her or yeah pressure or whatever i don't know so 
you get a little bit more flexibility and a lot more flexibility than before. Yeah. It's nice to have like nights and not work every weekend. Mm, that's so interesting because I'm going towards the direction of jumping from my one consistent day job to go do all my side gigs which I have a few that yeah that's I remember doing that and it was just stressful I was always I was always uh worrying about money mm. there's always I had a lot of anxiety it's very it's very stress inducing that's so tough like, where would you move after New York back to DC I don't oh, think no, so. Low cost of living and those yeah, I think I want to try to go somewhere with lower cost of living, which is pretty much anywhere that's not a big city on the East Coast. Or right? the West Coast. Or the West Coast. So it's basically I got to go like inland a little bit. Yeah, so you the Midwest or the South, depending on where you go in the South too. But I don't I don't necessarily know. Like you may not want to be in Texas as like mm. a lady who like dates men. You know, Texas, yeah. you know, Texas isn't a good thing for us people right now. <laughs> don't, don't go to Texas. I know, that's tough. I mean, so it's like I'm, I've been seeing a white guy, basically. And I'm like, I don't know, does that provide any sort of sense of security? Maybe. <laughs> Just a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I haven't really thought about after New York City where I would, would want to live. I'm in Milwaukee, so I have another Milwaukee so sad i mean clearly with the cost of living there that's affordable oh but uh trying to think there's a pretty big sack crew in madison i have a tendency i don't know if you find do it yourself doing this but i have a tendency to like be really active in something for a little bit and then i get tired and then i like completely stop doing it and then months later i'll like revisit it if it's still there that's what i did today xiaoling had a clubhouse meeting or something (gasps) and i was like how is she doing? She's doing well. I was just surprised. I was like, oh my gosh, you're hosting a clubhouse? I don't think I've been on clubhouse at least in eight months for like I an adoptee room. It's a, I don't know. I think it's nice in small doses, but when it first initially came out, I guess it's everything that came out in April of, well, I keep saying April, it was earlier than that. When everything came out, like the Zooms and then Clubhouse became a big thing. And it was like so much adoption talk and spaces that I was like, oh my goodness, this is so overwhelming. What do I do? So I completely like was in it. And then I stepped back, stepped back. But have made some nice connections because of it. So I can't knock it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For That's it. Doing well. See, when you're somebody who's so active, and I think when you have a position that people like look up to you, maybe, and then you disappear. That's like huge. Versus, I was like, I was not big, and I was not so big that it's like noticeable if you leave. That's why it's like so much easier to not commit to stuff because I can casually just walk away, and no one's gonna know. It's like, hey, whatever happened to that girl who? But yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like. I don't know, like, I was really, uh, for my last job I had, I was doing, like, an installation for, like, I was installing, like, curtains and stuff for my job, and, um, what was it, we, I would travel out to Madison and Middleton a lot, mm-hmm. so I got to know, like, see Delaney every time, almost every time I was there, and it was yeah. really nice. you know, it was really uh, nice, I got fairly close, we went camping this summer, which was a lot of fun, and then, oh, nice. 
another gal, Delaney and another gal came down from my house for me, which was very, very nice of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's there's actually a pretty big crew in Madison. I mean, mainly Chinese adopted girls. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a really big amount of Chinese adopted girls. <laughs> yes, in general. <laughs> but I'm surprised like there aren't more like Chads or anything. So. Oh, yeah. I know. I, I know. Minneapolis has a very Minneapolis and Chicago. Chicago is a big population Chads just because it's. A mm. But like Minneapolis has a huge one. And I think that's because one of the organizations is there, like Holt or something. Oh, no. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Holt is really big. I discovered, also known as, which is based out of New York, and that's a big, well, they're international, but a lot of the members are CADs. I was like, huh. You see, I love adoptee groups, but the problem I have with them is this every every time it's great to talk about your issues mm-hmm. but I, I'm also just like a group to hang out with that happens to be adopted so if I make a joke then people are like I don't know what to say with that like yeah it's not getting so heavy I'm like mm. that that wasn't a dark joke but I'll be like oh yeah okay just abandon me too I, I know how it is I mean I'm used to it my both parents abandoned me I'm used to it by now. And then so, they're like, that's too much. I'm like, I'm like, oh right. You want it up there. You don't get it. Oh yeah. I mean, to an extent, even within adoptee spaces, there's a lot of uh it can be some people are very much more sensitive than others when it comes to jokes too. Like I have noticed it's like you have to be mindful of the jokes you make even in an adoptee space, because some people are like, Yeah, no, that's not cool. I'm like, oh. Sorry. Oh yeah, all the drama on the the adoptee Facebook page. Ugh. Oh yeah, I don't I don't follow that. I have heard some from, I think tertiary connections of like, oh yeah, this happened. I was like, really? This is all going on online? So many. I'm just things. really upset. I knew the zooms were gonna end eventually. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's. But a- I it is just a lot more stubborn than mm-hmm. expected. Oh, it wasn't like a fade. It was kind of just like an abrupt. Because now they won't even let you do a post about a Zoom. Like, oh, like, oh, I want to win a Hey Potter Zoom trivia. Or like, oh, like. Oh, yeah, you were hosting TV. that. Yeah. I mean, I stopped because people, people wanted to argue with me about the fucking point system. I'm like, if you wanted to win, y'all could have read the books. Y'all had two months to read the books and study, but y'all didn't do that. So you have no one else to blame for that but yourself. Mm-mm-mm. oh my goodness you've been in new york city right or no not yet i have you have they opened a harry potter store here yes i heard about that i heard about that and yes yes i know i want to yep I know. you need to make a trip exclusively for that i also want to make a trip down to florida because i heard mm-hmm. i was going to go to la but i heard florida has a better harry potter world because they have diagon alley yeah that's true that's 100 percent true i think this and, little flagship store is just a nice thing to have here and you know i mean there, there's like if i i'm, I'm saying but if i'm going to new york i'm not going to Harry Potter. So, so. <laughs> i mean maybe i'll stop by the store but like there's so many like other like very like new yorky things like flushing or like um, mm-hmm. here on famous foods 
So true. This is true. Well, yeah, flashing is nice. I'd probably have to buy two plane tickets back, like one uh, one ticket of like go there and return, and then one ticket for like coming back because I'll eat so much food. Mm. Oh my gosh. Well, you asked me where I want to go after New York City. Is there anywhere you want to live other than where you are now? Do you, do you hope to go somewhere else? I was looking at Philly. I also was thinking about like visiting Oakland. I know so a few. Mm-hmm. I, I'm friends with like, I made some friends online during the pandemic as well. And they're yeah. like, Asian ladies. They're, they're not adopted, but they're Asian. And yeah. So it'd be nice just to go meet them. But I don't know. It's just a thing that terrifies me is just how expensive California is. It's so expensive. Yeah, that would be like a an adjustment. Yeah, it's just like because I would I I told my friend I I told people this and I said like the thing about the pandemic and I didn't realize this was that it was nice and it did the pandemic sucked. Mm-hmm. But what was nice about the pandemic was I'd go home and I'd sit online with my friends. Yeah, surrounded by people who looked like me. Yeah. And like coming out of that has been very, very difficult. And everyone's like, oh, you're making it about race. You always make it about race. Or like, oh, it shouldn't matter if your friends look like you or not. It shouldn't matter. All that matters if they care about you. I'm like, that's not a big deal. Don't focus on what you have or you don't have. Focus on what you have. I'm like, I'm like, I want what I want. And I'm an adult and I've been denied enough for my life and I want it. Yeah, I'm extreme. Like I'm, I'm. I won't say desperate, but it's sometimes it does feel that way. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it just feels like not that I missed out, and I did. Um, but like you'll see the posts and like subtle Asian traits, and like I get it because I've mm-hmm. done enough online research. But like, there's still things I don't get. Mm-hmm. There's still things that like, and I get to some point like those things that like. N- you know, there's things about your culture that like, you'll never completely get. Like, there's things about American culture I don't completely get. Yeah. Like, for example, like, when, like, I have, like, my non-Milwaukee friends ask about, like, you're, like, beauty, soup. I mean, like, yeah, that's a normal thing here. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, what? You know, it's stuff like that. But, like, I don't know. It just would be nice to have a very solid group of friends that would mm-hmm. like, Oh no, I agree. Because once you have that, it's like something that some might take for granted because you have that versus when you don't have it, it's something you notice. And if it's important to you, it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's like a respect and understanding for other people's feelings because we all have a different, I want to say like barometer for what we're used to or what we're exposed to that I mean I definitely take it for granted of having a lot of like Chinese and Korean friends oh Filipino friends too I have a lot of Asian friends that aren't all adoptees and I take it for granted now because I didn't have it before as much no I didn't see for me it was like it's hard because it's like uh for my house I guess for Spain and one of my friends is like oh that's not healthy that's 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 almost never used in cooking I'm like oh it's huge in Hawaiian cooking and it's also huge in Pinoy cooking yeah Spanish it's it's pretty it makes a pretty consistent appearance in Korean cooking as well Mm -hmm. I feel like well no it does I'm like yes it does 
because the GIs brought it over during World War II and it came to Korea during the Korean War. Because mm-hmm. Spam is not native to those countries. It's not even native to the US. It was invented in Minnesota. But I don't know. It's just like a lot of like little cultural things where it's like, I have to explain or like, I'll say something and then I'll be like, and then I have to like spend like a half an hour fucking explaining something that's just so, you know, that like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Versus if you had Asian friends, it's like, you don't have to explain it. They, they know. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. We love well, spam. Yeah, or, like, when I hang out, like, I was out at the bar with, like, some Latino ladies last night, like, mm-hmm. some friends the other night, and they were, you know, and, like, one of the bartenders was ignoring me, and she's like, oh, man, I would have, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know she only ignored me because I'm Asian, because mm-hmm. I ain't white, knows how she's going to all them other white people, but, you know, the, pay, the table full of non-white people, she ain't going to that much. Mm-hmm. And, like, well, if I said it to my wife, and so, like, I don't think it's like that, she looks busy, I'm like, I'm like, good people just came in half a second ago and she's shoving them right away. I've been yeah. here standing at the bar for damn near 10 minutes. Almost two whole fucking cigarette smokes. Hundred style. Mm-hmm. Like, I measure sometimes safely. I'm a very big smoker. <laughs> Remember my last apartment, how we just sit there? <laughs> yes, I do. I was like, damn, she's, is that like her third one in the. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. This this is her fifth cigarette this hour. How does this go bleep? Somehow you're still here. <laughs> okay. It was, climbing, it was... climbing, getting paid to climb and do a lot of activities. So genetics, I don't know. That's it, it was my raging will to live. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to insert a break. China question. Have you have you actually been back to China at all? Yes, I went in 2011 as a high school graduation or whatever, 2018 thing mm-hmm. um, for my parents. I went to Beijing and Xi'an. But yes, I went in 2011. Um, you know, we did the touristy things like the Great Wall, you know, the Terracotta Soldiers, the Forbidden City. And I got lost in the Forbidden City, which is uh, 10 out of 10 would not recommend getting lost there. Okay, I it sounds, it just sounds like a terrifying concept. Oh yeah, it was a terrifying concept, and and I got my period at Forbidden City. Yeah, no, that's awful. I was I was so mad. I was like, I just had my period last week. Why am I getting it now? <laughs> I was so mad. We could analyze the symbolism of it all. <laughs> and I was like, I, I kind of was like, God. I was like, Amanda, kill us. And then uh, my friend and I. And she, she grew up in China, so she could speak Chinese. We went to get tampons, right? But then she realized she couldn't say the word for tampon in Mandarin. Oh. So she's going like this, like, you know, <laughs> putting her hand, her finger through her, you know? Yeah. And, just, and it looks like she's asking for kind of, and, and like, we're both like, I had long hair, you know, it's yeah. just a bit more feminine. And so the guy just looks at us very, very confused as to why we want condoms. Like, for two females 
He's like condoms. It is looks like looking very confused. Like he doesn't understand lesbian sex, but he understands enough that like they mm-hmm. don't need condoms because no one's getting pregnant. Mm. <laughs> what is this we the most memorable up. experience you've had of that trip? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, and then what else did we do? We went and visited the city walls of Xi'an. So mm-hmm. those are like old walls from like the dynasties and stuff. And it's one of the few cities with like the walls still standing. So that was pretty cool. What else did we do? We met with the people like who took care of me in the orphanage and stuff. So that was really cool. And a bunch of like other, you know, kids from my orphanage. So that was pretty cool as well. I went and looked for my birth parents. Oh. The orphanage. Oh, snap. I met the orphanage workers. That was, that was an experience. Oh, so you did like all of it in one go. And then I met the police officer who found me. Mm-hmm. I got a picture of me and him. He's, he's somewhere on there. Oh, hanging on your wall. Whoa. So you were you were doing were you doing a bunch of like search related stuff before that trip? And then No, it's just, just like, kind of like locking documents, but I think he was lying to pro- Oh yeah. I don't even question that. I, I don't think. I think his story about, oh, your parents have used a blanket and milk powder, milk formula. Like, again, like, I don't think he's a bad guy because, yeah. again, hopefully he thought he was, like, doing me a solid, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it was, like, the biggest waste of money looking for my birth parents and mm-hmm. is one of the most painful experiences of my life because I, I actually convinced myself that I would find them because you know you're 18 and my parents are like you know you need to be realistic and like they weren't trying to like be dicks about it but they were like yeah. you know you may not you know this you know there are a lot of kids abandoned at that time who were girls I'm like mm. you know you were pretty healthy so like I don't think it's like a very hard chance you know they're like trying to like make it so it's easy and I legit I legit that is thought I would go there and be like oh my mom and dad were like, oh, that's a little chitlin. That's a little chitlin that disappeared. Oh, we love to have you back. No, no, that, that didn't happen. Mm. <laughs> I didn't get anywhere close. And uh, I, I, you know, and like I was 18, you know, you're 18, you're, you're a teen, and no one wants to listen to their parents, and you're all stubborn and just, yeah. you know, and it's easier to keep that fantasy alive when you're at that age to help you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then just like realizing when I came back, it's just like, and then it was just, that whole trip was just difficult. Cause it was like, I thought when I would go to China, like, okay, yeah, these people look like me. I'll feel like I fit in. And I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, they, they all knew I was American. Like, and I didn't even open my mouth. Like I would just walk or like, I'd be like sitting in a chair, you know, like waiting for the bus or whatever. And they'd be like, oh yeah, they're, 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 uh, they you know? Yeah. And, uh, no, uh, Megoran, they're, yeah, they're Megoran, and they would know I was American, because, like, mm-hmm. the way Chinese people walk, that's what I've heard from people who've lived in China for years, um, yeah, and it was just, I felt I would, it just, I don't know, I just felt more alone when I came back, I just, and then I was like, okay, I'll go back to, I'll go back home, and I'll feel, like, at home there, because, like, I grew up there, you know, I know the culture, and I just felt more alone, and, mm. And, like, with the Zooms, it was great because, like, I had other people I could 
relate to who had that similar experience. And just, I don't know, it's just becoming more and more apparent and more and more, I don't know, it's just something like I almost never think about my birth parents because it's just, why would I do yeah. that to myself? Mm. I've had people be like, well, what, what, why would you do look? I'm like, I'm like, let's stop there. Like that was one of the most painful experiences of my life. It took mm-hmm. two to three years to, re- two, no, three to five years to recover from that. Oh, wow, yeah. I don't know if I want to put myself through that again. Like, I will, yeah. when I, I plan on going back eventually, Um, right now with everything going on between the U.S. and China, Chinese government, not the best idea, and with COVID and everything, you know, just not the best. But I would want to go back. I would want to search. Mm-hmm. but it'd be more so like oh look I did everything and then now I can go and move on with my life mm-hmm. I mean I've heard about have you watched uh what was it one child nation I might have watched some of it it's a documentary right the documentary. yeah it's, it's a doc I mean I mean obviously like you know a lot of a lot of a lot of west a lot of like you know um Mango Laue, you know, a lot of white Americans will be like, oh, well, who's the like, China-based bias? I'm like, yeah, because these people would get their homes and their crops burnt down if they mm-hmm. didn't get rid of this child. Like, yeah, it's awful. But, like, mm-hmm. they have the grandma they have to feed. They have their other child. And maybe the child could get adopted to America and have a better life than mm. working the farm all day long. You're never going to go to school. Like, yeah. you're going to work the farm until you die. I mean, again, like, I mean, I'm not saying, like, but until you're in that situation, you can't really judge. Now, if they were like, oh, yeah, we banned her because she was a girl. We don't care because, like, she was a girl. Like, but again, like, this cultural pressure, like, maybe the grandparents and maybe like mm-hmm. they were just so you know indoctrinated I mean who knows I mean unless so I think a lot of people just didn't understand that and and for me like yes as traumatic as it was it was very enlightening and they made it for me like where it's like yes even if my parents did abandon me because I was a girl it might be because of whatever pressure was on them mm-hmm. you know yeah and they would want to keep me and so it made me feel better about it like Yes, they might have abandoned, they probably abandoned me because I was a girl, but. There's more to it. Yeah. There's there's usually more to it than just that one simple idea. Yeah, I mean, happy families don't abandon children. Happy Mm -hmm. families do not abandon children. There's always something wrong in the family. Oh, yeah. Every family's got some stuff that they don't want to talk about. And if you learn about it, it's there. It is totally there no family is perfect none no yeah and I was I was talking to a friend about like my birth parents and she's like and like she's like pretty much like an auntie to me um mm-hmm. it's like she lived in China with the people who and like who like one of the people who took care of me when I was in the orphanage like it's her mom or whatever and I was telling her about them she's like well happy family stole the and killed her mm-hmm. and there was something that like really like changed my perspective because like you know, again, every family has their drama or their dirt or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's like to abandon, like, a little child, something yeah. has to be extremely wrong. Like, mm-hmm. go extremely wrong for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I don't have energy to be angry about at my birth parents. 
it just I have better things to do with my time mm. you know and it just it's easier to think of them as in with a more positive way because I, I don't I mean because they did what they thought was best at the time you know I mean who yeah. knows definitely takes a lot more energy to hold anger and like negative feelings towards another person than just to hopefully look for the not so negative aspects of it that takes us takes us time i i i I mean i don't even know if i want to have my own kids just because like Mm. the genetic lottery and who knows what i'd be carrying and like my own like mental health stuff like i wouldn't you know, I would, you know, I have autism and like, it's not like, you know, I've done pretty well for myself, but I don't think I'd be able to forgive myself if I, you know, and I'm not saying like people with autism are less of people, but like, I would never yeah. want to give something to my kid that would make their life harder. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to give them every chance to succeed and to like have a better life than I did. Yeah. And if, like, I gave them something where, like, oh, they can't even, they can't even say their own name, like, man, wow, good job, Victoria. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I wouldn't feel, like, too happy about that. Mm. Yeah, I've thought about that, too. I think the other side of it is also the kind of parent to who you, the kind of parent you become, too. Like, would I mess this kid up, too? just the way I parent because because I'm the same boat it's like if it happens it happens if it doesn't it's like whatever I'm fine I I mean the only reason I ever would want kids like and my own biological kids because I would never have biological and adopted kids in the same house Mm -hmm. I'm not putting my kids through what I went through Mm. but if I were to have biological children the only reason I would have biological children is to have a little mini me yeah and no, that is extremely selfish and I was talking to a dear friend about this and like she got her has a master's in social work and like she's very mm-hmm. well read on adopting literature like she'll bring things up to me and I'm like I never even knew that or like mm-hmm. oh I'm not crazy but yeah. yeah she's like no that's she's like that's completely normal because you would never have that she's like yeah, yeah you grew up around other Asian adoptees but like you never had someone that had your same genetic mirrors. Yeah. Well, I wonder if you share this too, because you were adopted at three. Do you have any photos of you before the age of three? Are there any? Yes, yes I do. Oh, okay. I, I can take them off the wall, but they were a little hard to put on. Oh, no. But I no do worry. have photos. I, w- I was very cute. Um, my cheeks were a lot chubbier. I was a little mm. fatter, uh, if you can believe it. I was a little pudgier. <laughs> It's hard to imagine a smaller pudgy of Victoria. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not, I feel like that's not selfish to say. I think that's true of what anybody would do, would say if they have their own kids. I mean, there, there's got to be some truth to that, that anybody who has their own children adopted or not, like you want someone that's smaller version of you because yeah. we're all into ourselves more than we like to say sometimes <laughs> yeah no and I, I think for me like if that was the only reason I would want to have kids, like biological kids like mm. oh, and especially yeah. with all the damage you can do in your body too like women yeah. like literally they'll take the calcium pills and their teeth still be falling out like I am not losing my teeth over a baby I am not I am not oh my gosh 
And like that baby better be like Albert Einstein killing cancer because I'm not losing my teeth. <laughs> I admire families who have biological children of more than two. Like how did you manage to have four or five kids? See what happens is they have the older children babysit the younger children. Oh yeah, there's that too. But the actual birthing process of it, it's like, how did you squeeze out five human beings? Yeah, that sounds, I mean, you could have like five C-sections, I don't know. Oh, true. But that would still do some damage to your body, wouldn't it? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never had a C-section. <laughs> I, I'm not the right person. I've never, I don't plan on having kids anytime soon. We don't have to think about it too much because we're not planning on this. Uh, it's not, we're not the right people to be talking about this with. Where there are definitely adoptees who I've spoken with, and they're like, "Yeah, I want to have my own kids." It's like, good for you. It's good. It's I'm glad you like know that's what you want because some people are very definitive. Like, this is what I want. Like, then you go after it. It's so expensive. Yeah, and I guess if you don't have a partner or something to create the child, there are other ways now, or there have always been other ways. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, if I would probably rather adopt a foster care person. Mm. Um, and I don't want to be like, there's so many kids out there that need family, because I don't, I don't want to give them to that saviorism trope. But, like, oh, yeah. you know, just be able to give them a stable environment and a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, not, okay. you know, and um, I don't know. But, like, again, like, I'd like to be in a relationship for that to happen, just because my lifestyle right now. Oh, yeah, I, it's a balance. I work a lot. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of time. I have a fairly active social life. And it just, it wouldn't be fair. I mean, it's why I don't have a dog. Mm. So, I, I guess cats, cats are definitely more chill. Although I did want to adopt from China, from the same orphanage. So if they try Ooh. to be coming up here being like, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm like, I'm from the same, I'm from the, the same, same place too, boo. So don't even try that game. Don't <laughs> even play that game, boo. Like, go to your timeout corner. Like, we are not doing that today. We're not having, having this conversation. I used to, I used to go with my mom on the couple. Like, you don't know what I'm going through. It's so hard. And she's like, I, I know. And I was like, oh. I make you feel better. I'm like, Cobas. So now whenever I complain about being it up, she's like, we're not going to Cobas. Very clear. Like, you can just ask next time I'm like okay well you bring up an interesting point because I feel like that's a thought that must be a thought that many adoptees have it's like I would adopt from China too or the same orphanage and I wonder if man I feel like I can ask a cad this because you, we're getting to that age where we might want to like adopt if we do it we would do it later 20s early 30s but like there are cats who are probably 50s, 60s. I wonder if any of them did the adoption thing. Yeah, nah. I mean, who's that one guy that has like the one-year-old? He's on the East Coast, near DC. Did he adopt? Adam. No, he has a kid. I've always wondered. Like, I wanted to ask him, but I also felt like that was kind of a personal question why him and his wife. I mean, and also adoption is really expensive. And especially right now, mm. Korea and China have kind of closed down adoptions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, internationally, just because unless they have um, like a, like a, a disability or something, but especially after that whole like, oh, what was that? That one that one Chinese adopted kid. 
he got adopted by this fucking YouTuber. And oh, yeah. his ass. Like, yeah. like, oh, he's part of our forever family. And then, like, you know, three months later, we homing. Like, oh dude, gosh. that is so, ch- that kid has already been in your home. Yeah. Like, that kid ain't never, that kid's gonna have rad. Like, he's never gonna have any healthy. Okay, he, he, he could with lots of therapy and a, and a lot of other stuff. Understanding family, but like, you don't no you don't you don't play with people's feelings especially kids because like they they didn't ask to be in this situation mm. and so i think china really can't camp it down because they're like is this really what america's about like we don't want our kids like i mean i mean i don't i don't blame them. i mean and also like the fact of the matter is like a lot of countries have banned international adoption to like western countries so maybe like britain and the U.S., France, I don't know about France, but because of baby trafficking. So a lot of countries in yeah. America, a lot of African countries have explicitly banned adoption to those places, to uh, the U.S. and stuff, because babies will get kidnapped for adoption in instance. Yeah, I'm sure that's been going on since the beginning of the concept, because money and kidnapping, of course, but... Yeah, I mean, it's so they kind of cracked down, but like, I mean, these are kids that didn't even need to like Vietnam like they didn't even need to be adopted mm. like they were in a loving home the mom and dad wanted to keep them and their baby got snatched yeah. I'd be pretty upset if my baby got snatched too yeah I mean I don't even like kids and I'd be upset oh no I mean I feel like that's a hopefully a common reaction because I would do like, yeah no that one day a- all of a sudden your kid's just not there I'm like shit there's a huge problem in like Vietnam or like Southeast Asian countries. Mm. Was like these adoption centers are set up daycare centers for like low income families. Like, oh, your kid can come to daycare for free. And the fans like, oh yeah, I don't gotta pay for daycare. I can go to work. We can have the food and whatever, and I can take to my kid's school. But all of a sudden, they come to pick the kid up from daycare, and the kid ain't there no more. And mm. then like, oh yeah, your kid got adopted. And the parents trying, and then it's only too late. The adoption is finalized. They can't get the kid back. Like. Oof. all my family needed was a bit more money yeah or like you know a surgery or stuff so like there was this organization in china that went around and for like um for like cleft palate babies they're like hey we know you want to keep your kid we'll pay you money to keep your kid and we will pay for your surgeries and mm-hmm. then they made like they get the surgery done on the baby or whatever and make the kid and then they would like you know help the mom like show the mom like how to use like pop-up bottles or I don't yeah. know, whatever goes into that. And then the parents will get to keep the kid because it's like, it's not like, mm. you know, they have to have like 13 surgeries for their back or something like that. It's like, okay, I can understand why. Like, that's just too much for any, not any, but like, especially like when you're in poverty, like you can't, there's no way you can do that, you know? Mm-hmm. You could, but you know what I mean? And it's just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it was one of those, I don't think I was one of those babies that was stayed with the family after getting a cleft palate surgery, but they gave, they, I mean, they repaired my cleft palate in the orphanage and I stayed there. I'm pretty sure I stayed there. I have no recollection of any other experience. Yeah, no, the adoption industry is a whole scam. It's a whole scam. It's all about that all money. Capitalism, capitalism and white, white saviorism. 
and and do they actually do anything for these kids i mean yeah they do but there are no checks i mean like you look at like like these white women adopting black kids and then they're like then then you see these black kids here and you're like oh man i i'm not even black and like i'm sorry like Kyle, what happened to your head yeah like know. you know or like it's just like if you are going like again like you don't need to be like phd level but you need to have an understanding and like if you're not willing to have a conversation especially if you're adopting the u.s i don't know what it's like in britain but like especially if you're adopting the u.s and you adopt like a color child especially darker skin color child like indian or like black you need to be you have to have a conversation with your kid about mm-hmm. like police and stuff because if you don't, your kid may never come back home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of white parents are like, oh, well, I love my kid. I'm like, that ain't going to save him. We live in a world where racism has been around since the beginning. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and again, like, it's not the parents' fault that things are that way. And, you know, like the parents just like, and it's, and, and it's good in a way because they're like, oh, I love my child. Like, I don't, you know, but at some point it does matter. You know, mm-hmm. at some point, like, culture does matter because, like, I was, you know, as an adult now, I was talking to my parents. I was like, well, like, I was like, hey, so, like, my adoption paperwork said you would do all this stuff and you never did it. Mm. So what happened? And they're like, yeah, we just we just didn't think it was that important. We thought, you know, you know, love would somehow. And it's like, well, you're an adult now, so you can figure that out. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be upset because you're an adult. You can change it. I'm like, I was like, so you and lied and knew knew that you wasn't gonna do that stuff in the first place okay okay I mean they weren't bad parents they were good parents and you know they they you know they were they they weren't bringing in the witches so did they really have the means you know and mm-hmm. and, and again like there was other factors going into it you know but yeah it's just like now as an adult it's just like again like there's things about like Chinese American culture I don't get like I'm Mm -hmm. trying to learn and just I don't know it's just stuff like that where you know and I I tell people who want to adopt all the time I said something you need to be prepared for is that love is not enough and it never will be love will not fix that kid's problems no matter how much you love that kid it will not fix them Mm -hmm. and they tell you anything else is the disservice to you and your kid Mm -hmm. I mean yeah love is great and all but like it also needs action because your kid has been traumatized. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. When it comes to stuff like that, the kid has no control over, like, therapy or whatever because, you know, that's a pretty big trauma. What an intense note to end on. <laughs> I was just like, Sorry, I'm, I'm very passionate. That's a pretty good intent. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're definitely saying stuff that people have thought of or enjoy having it voiced. And then there might be people who disagree, but they're not. It's up to them if they want to talk to. I mean, they can disagree. Keep the voice. They can just know that they're wrong. I'm kidding. (laughs) It's like, you're wrong in my eyes. I mean, that's how opinions work, right? You're right about how wrong you are. (laughs) Oh, man. Well... Is there any last thoughts you have? Anything you want to hear from other adoptees or others? Or you're like, I'm good. It'd be really interesting to see like what the um, 
because like I've heard of like camps and stuff but like um like other adoptees like me who've been able who like haven't grown up with that but have been able to make that connect because I'm interested mm. to see how they've done it I would say that would conclude this this episode we're done recording oh I was gonna say bye I didn't say bye yet <laughs> oh okay yeah it's like well peace out bye for now shall catch you later and thanks for listening to adopted babies from china podcast you can reach me at adopted babies from china pod on instagram and facebook and adopted babies from china at gmail Woo, that's it <laughs>